Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. Good evening, my friend. Adam J. Flaherty. Is that my new jingle? 93.9. I always wondered about those. Like, long before the internet, I always assumed that there was, you know, like, a group of friends, neighbors, who had really good voices, and radio stations would send them a letter in the mail and say, can you record a jingle for, you know, 95.9, the the whatever, the laser. (laughs) The laser. And so they hung around for an afternoon and shot around some ideas and then sent back a cassette tape with a jingle on it. I just want to know who decided that it was, like... We want you to do a sing-songy version of the numbers of the station. Why? I wish I had an answer. It's just one of those things. This is modern dadhood. We say it is a... Did you just hear my stomach? No. It's <laughs> the weirdest little noise. Let me try that again. <laughs> we say that this is an ongoing conversation about the joys, the challenges... And the general insanity of being a dad in this moment. My name is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad to twin boy, three and a half year olds. They're going to be four soon. The fantastic fours. Oh, is that what they call them? No. Oh, that's great. Because I'm in the, uh, I'm currently in the shitty three and a half. <laughs> My name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad to two daughters who are almost eight and almost five. Almost eight is like almost ten. Yeah, I'll tell you, she is, she can straight up hold a conversation with us and speak confidently about most topics. Does she talk down to you? She can be very condescending to me, but I deserve it, you know? Well, I wasn't (laughs) going to say it. Hey, Mark. (laughs) Yes. Who's our guest today? Our guest? On this podcast. Oh, man, I am stoked about this guest. I think you are, too. We're talking to somebody named Ty Trimble, who is the editor-in-chief at Fatherly. The team there have uh, collaborated on a new book. Ty's going to join us shortly. Mark. Mark. What? Okay, think back to... Before you were a father, do you feel like throughout that process that you generally felt prepared to be a dad? Um, well, I don't I don't think that I was I don't think that I felt super prepared, but I also I I tried to brush up on things like changing diapers uh, because it had been quite a while. Um, I was, I was reading up on how to do the burrito wrap, you know, the baby burrito wrap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Swaddling. The old burrito swaddle. swaddle. I was reading a lot of stuff like that. Um, but I don't really think that at any point I really felt really prepared to be a dad. I've, I've always been the kind of person where I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just try it and see how well I do. And if I'm really bad, I'll sort of pivot. And see if I can start to do better. It was, there's a there's a, a phrase that I'm I'm fake it till you make it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the one yeah, you're thinking that's of? The one that I'm thinking of, which is funny because it's oh, come wait, up, that's it's like come my up a life motto. This podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what what about you? 
So I, I have three siblings who are all between 16 and 20 years older than me. And so I had nieces and nephews growing Mm -hmm. up who I got to spend a lot of time with, like while I was in college, they were babies. So I feel like I had quite a lot of experience with young kids and doing things like changing diapers and, Mm. you know, swaddling them and stuff because one of my brothers and his wife more than once left me, not left me with their kids, but Mm -hmm. had me stay at their house for days at a time while they would like take a vacation and I had their kids. I was a responsible young man. And so they trusted me, but like I got a lot of hands-on experience that way. And so I think because of that experience, I didn't feel particularly nervous or underprepared going into parenthood. And I read some books, you know, some of the Some of the more common books you can find, you know, on Amazon or whatever. But I also didn't do like a lot of deep thinking about what it means to be a father or how to really best prepare yourself. I think for me, it was all of those things that you need to know how to do the, the moment that you get home from the hospital. I think that's where like a lot of my focus was kind of going. You know, I also knew going into it that I couldn't be that type of of partner to my wife where I was like, well, like I'll be in the room while you do the baby stuff and you you be a mom. Yeah. So obviously there are the I want to say more logistical things about how to keep your baby clean and you know, healthy mm-hmm. and alive. What about things like your relationship? Right. So needless to say, as soon as you have a baby, your relationship with your partner sort of takes a backseat. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you don't have a strong, stable relationship, but just that you, it doesn't necessarily get the attention that it once had right. before you had this right. new being that requires all of your time, attention, and emotion. Do you feel in retrospect like you could have benefited from knowing that things can be pretty trying when a baby comes in terms of your relationship, in terms of like your mental health, in terms of your social life? Yeah. I mean, thinking back now, I mean, we, you know, we talked about some things at length, but there's so much that we didn't talk about. Because there was so much that we didn't know. We were preparing ourselves for trying to work together in a a period of time where we knew we were going to be very sleep deprived. But all of that stuff, we didn't understand it to the extent that we ended up understanding it. And it's interesting to think now, what I know now, there's a whole lot I wish we had talked about. Or had somebody sort of sit us down and say, yo, I'm from your future and, I'm, and <laughs> here's what's like, hey, it's it's me. It's me. Yeah. You know, you it's me three years from now. Yeah. I look pretty much the same as you do, except like my hair is a lot more gray. Uh-huh. I'm about 20 pounds fatter. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't care about anything anymore. I spend most of my time eating Kit Kats. Uh, <laughs> You know, think thinking back, it wasn't until a few years in that I realized exactly how much starts to really 
shift. I didn't realize how many phases there were going to be that we were going to all have to go through together. You know, there's these Mm -hmm. different phases of your marriage that, you know, it makes sense to me now that, that you have to shift and change, change your approach towards one another, you know, change your understanding of what marriage means, what having a partner means, what loving someone means, um, you know, going through phases and, and, and changes, you know, um, the, the reason that I'm bringing this up, sort of the idea of preparedness to become a parent is because of this book that you and I have both been reading that Ty Trimble wrote called fatherhood, a comprehensive guide to birth, budgeting, finding flow and becoming a happy parent. As I've been reading this, I've been feeling like, man, I really wish I had this book six months before I became a dad to read it, soak it in, you know, revisit certain parts. I just feel like I would have gone into the experience just far more prepared. And again, it's not about those little things like how to change a diaper. Like, yeah, it's nice that there are tutorials for some of those things, but but more more the big picture stuff, the relationship stuff, the happiness stuff, the like sense of purpose stuff. I mean, my God, I think about how much I focused on some of those early understanding, some of those early things. And I don't use those skills at all anymore because I'm not changing diapers anymore. You know, my kids are sleeping <laughs> right. all night long. Like there's it, it's everything has changed. You know, I did get very good at swaddling, like very good at it. You could do a nice tight wrap. Oh, I can, you I can, could tuck I can it swaddle, in. It wasn't coming apart. A 350 pound grown man. And, and, and he wouldn't be able to get his arms out. I was very good at it. That's a YouTube video that would go viral. Person who swaddles full grown humans. Yeah. Look, let me eat a little more Halloween candy. Give me about three more weeks worth of Halloween candy and I'll roll over to your house and you can swaddle me outside. pound guy. I'll be that 350 pound man. Yeah. I'll take you up on that. Well, I think that brings us to a really natural place to bring Ty into the conversation. And he is in the waiting room, so the timing has worked out well. Let's invite Ty Trimble into the modern dadhood conversation. Ty Trimble, come on down. Today's guest is Ty Trimble, editor-in-chief at Fatherly, whose team collaborated on a new book titled Fatherhood, a comprehensive guide to birth, budgeting, finding flow, and becoming a happy parent. So I want to welcome you to the conversation, Ty. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Anyone listening to Modern Dadhood is going to know what Fatherly is, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about what the editor-in-chief does, and then uh, maybe a bit about who you are outside of work and your family. I'll start with who I am. My name is Ty Trimble. I uh, live in um, Brooklyn with two kids. I have a uh, recent four-year-old and a recent 10-year-old who is getting vaccinated tomorrow. So very exciting there. (laughs) And yeah, as uh, as the editor-in-chief, I oversee our editors um, who, you know, oversee story assignments. I oversee some special projects we have podcasts. For example, we did a Finding Fred series we're working on as a Finding Raffi. Also, uh, things like this exciting project, our book, um, I get to conceive of it and, and right now, you know, try to get it in as many hands of 
everyone as we can. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to get an advanced copy, and and the book is great. Uh, I, I wanted to start off by asking um, about the second chapter, which is called Nine Months, Six Conversations. And it's centered around getting on the same page with your partner and, and focusing on keeping the lines of communication open about your values. Um, communication is one of those things that like before you have kids, you might not consider that it's a thing that can become challenging. Communication is hard, right? Anything that helps me communicate better with my partner. I mean, I feel like this past two years, that was, that's been by far the hardest thing is just, it's just being able to clearly communicate the chaos inside of me and my perception and what I think we should be doing when I have no idea. So the book has six conversations that honestly, like, I think it, they're great to have before you have kids. These are great conversations to have before you get married or before you live together. You know, I think that the, that developing a set of values that you can align on and agree upon that will guide your decision making as a family. That's just so powerful. And it's so clarifying. All of these things, like when you pick up what to expect, which is a great book. Um, and when you pick up these, I have, I have them on my table, all these manuals about sleep training and stuff like it, you're not going to hold on to that for very long, but like what, what we were trying to do here. And I, I, I honestly came back and was just like, oh, I'm very, very happy that we did this in this chapter was just communicate communication about values with your partner that actually can go throughout your life. Our parenting editor, uh, Patrick Coleman, I think he was on, he's been on the show before was he really like, I didn't entirely believe him that he, that like, oh yeah, the, the, these conversations are actually conversations you'll pretty much have until the day you die. Like this is that. Yeah, I certainly wish that that I had something like this in in the in the period of time leading up to to us having kids. My my wife and I, I mean, I, I don't know how unique this is, but we were married for almost 13 years before we had kids. So we certainly were in a root a routine with one another. And we knew that that was going to change. And maybe it was just the books that we had or, you know, that sort of little anecdotes that you get from the people around you. But we started focusing, like I said, on these things that they came and went. But the difficulty with communication, that is here and it's going to stay, you know, and we're going to have to keep working at it. Especially, you know, these questions are, are, are straight and to the point. And they're quick and it's in bulleted form. It's in list form. I mean, it's a handy thing to have beyond it being like a, a great set of really thought provoking questions to spark conversation. But yeah, man, I wish I had this. <laughs> we are an expert driven publication. And so these questions are come from a uh, professor, John Dufresne. Um, like they're, they're, they're out of the spirit of him. We actually point mm -hmm. out that you can't really turn what he does into questions, but he's at university of um, Nebraska, I believe. And it, I think it's 24,000 families and counting that he's like mm. surveyed and followed and kind of digested um, what their answers are. And I do think um, we hear so many opinions in parenting, like just parenting publications and first person stuff and, and all mm. that. And I think that was one of the, was really one of like really important points to us was we're not giving you a point of view, mm. you know, we're giving you 
kind of a template to look at yourself as well. And I think with the John Dufresne really just pushed us in that direction with these questions. And it's like, if, if American families are going to look at themselves, what, you know, what should they be asking themselves? I mean, it's interesting, you know, that these, these questions are able to be boiled down like that. But I think the whole book too, just kind of has this great structure to it. There's a, a mixture of, of there's like lessons and there's anecdotes and there's some fun illustrations that you mentioned and, um, and, and bulleted lists and, and it's easy to pick up and go through. It's not a daunting thing to go through. It also seems like it's, and this is kind of how I've been reading it the last couple of days. It's like you pick it up, you read a little bit, you can put it down. And then an hour later, you can come right back to it. Um, I mean, was that intentional to, to create a book that's used that way? I mean, what was the, what was the thought behind the, the structure uh, of it? I think um, because we're a digital publisher of parents, we actually look at what people read. We actually look at the questions that parents ask through search engine optimization, all that kind of stuff. And we see how, which ones we're answering well, yeah. um, according to the algorithms, but also according to people coming back and also comments in our newsletters and also comments in our social. There's just a couple of things that you, I think, learnings that you bring up with. And, and this book is an absolute reflection on that. It's we we're allowed to breathe a little bit. But we also like recognize a couple of things about parents or expecting parents or just people. And that's that we're all very busy. And when we look at parenthood and when we look at having children, it's overwhelming as can be. And that doesn't help you pay more attention. Yeah. I think that makes you want to scan and find the answers as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you have to, I mean, it's a really hard task to be in parenting. Um, I haven't always been in parenting media and I can tell you it's much easier doing like men's lifestyle publication, telling people mm -hmm. how to ski, they'll read that. But it's, you, if you can grab somebody and bring them into it and then you bury the payoff in there a little bit with great writing, with anecdotes, with interesting people and stories and experts, um, that is that is how our readers read. And and so that's why you see a lot of short form content on our site. If if we can, I'd love to to dive into a little bit about this this chapter, the case for a cigar, chapter five in the book, because it really dives into something that I, I think is a real problem that I feel like I, I kind of have in, in my life and and know maybe know some people who who have a similar struggle which is with loneliness, um, which can be a sort of big, scary word for us, us dads. The chapter is, is great because it sort of frames the whole topic around this ritual, uh, this sort of old fashioned ritual of, of, you know, you can, everybody can kind of picture the, the man pacing back and forth in the waiting room. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's got the cigars and he's ready to pass them out when he receives word from the doctor. And then, you know, part of that is then actually sitting down and smoking the cigar and, uh, and there's, there's a little bit of maybe there's other dads there. There's this camaraderie aspect to it. Right. And of course, you know, it's, it does conjure it's an old fashioned image. We don't really, I think, see that much anymore. And it's much more likely that we're going to be in the delivery room. We're going to be right there when things are happening. And so, so on one hand, we've, we've kind of gained this amazing thing because we're right there. And Adam was before you, again, before Ty, you hopped on, Adam was telling me a little bit about his experience actually being the one to catch the children as they come out, which oh. is just incredible. Kudos. 
Yeah, right. It was amazing. Yeah, Mind blowing, really. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And he's, and he's terrible at sports, so I don't know how. <laughs> I suck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how he managed to uh, to to get that job with um, lots of nurses. Um, that's yeah. right. Yeah, all these other hands, kind of all around. Um, so on one hand, we gain something that's just indescribable, but then on the other hand, what have we kind of lost from that old-fashioned cigar ritual? thing that used to be there that, that was like really well set up thank you thank you for that um the, this whole Mad Men style i think i mean mm. Mad Men's in my head on on this one um yeah. for sure on the on that imagery it, it's toxic as hell Let, let's mm. i just want to like put that at like the the mis- we lost misogyny so that was good <laughs> that's um, a good thing that's and, true and mm. um but still, like the, I think the stat is, or there, there was one stat that was actually interesting. It's November. It was from a Movember, a giant Movember survey that we cited. Mm-hmm. That um, that was um, really well done. Um, Movember does some great stuff. It was one in five men stop meeting friends in the first month, twelve months of having a kid. So for the first twelve months that they are new fathers, mm-hmm. that is not to say that after that twelve months their social life doesn't return in some capacity. That's right. I mean, it, it, it can come back. However, if you look at men statistically, they have less friends, right? less friends than women. They have, um, there is an extremely high rate of depression, mental illness among men. Many, many experts have called it a crisis. And postpartum depression for men is yeah. just not talked about. And it absolutely, absolutely happens. The solution is not a stork club. It's not bringing misogyny back. And I think, <laughs> I think I, I, we laugh, but I, I do think there is, there is kind of a, a, a bad strain in America today of that's yeah. the answer. But I think the answer is looking closely at, as, as you know, Robert Putman does and other experts do at what we could have and what we have lost and what we replace the cigar with while catching our kids. Cause that's amazing. Mm, yeah. Catch your kids to do it. You know, I mean, I think to a certain degree, I mean, I think this is why modern dadhood exists because, mm-hmm. you know, Adam and I both, I mean, just on a personal level, we're, we're looking for, for that. And we were using fatherhood as, as that Avenue to sort of get that some of that camaraderie and some of that communication it's, going. It's such again, a, you know, it's such a good avenue for that too. And I think it's because if you think about like the, the masculinity, aspirational masculinity leading up to that point, the lone gunman, John Wayne, like mm-hmm. um, think of any of a macho superhero, they go mm-hmm. off on their own and the world is on their shoulders and it's so at odds with parenting. It's yeah. comical. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think in order to, ready to find that this is the time you're expecting this is the time this is the time for you to confront it i think for you know someone like me it's like a fee- like okay the things i didn't do okay it's full my you know my youngest is four now he interrupts me most of the time but i have some headspace and i can start to really recognize the things that were previous me and are incompatible with dad me one other theme that I wanted to bring up that I uh, that caught my eye in the book, it's kind of funny, it's kind of interesting, is this idea of uh, roughhousing and how 
there are so many amazing benefits to playing rough with your kids. When I was a kid, roughhousing and wrestling with my buddies, you know, we'd get scolded by our parents for making too much noise. And they certainly weren't going to join in with us. And, and but you uh, you and the editors of Fatherly, you know, describe how how important and how enjoyable it is to do that and how there are there are so many uh, benefits to doing it. Can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, I'm huge. I'm prejudiced here because I love roughhousing <laughs> so much. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is one of I mean, it might be it's probably chicken and egg. I I my my 10 year old daughter is vicious. She's so <laughs> vicious. I, so like we talk about boundaries and things in here and, but like, I'm the one who's like time out. <laughs> she, she's like, dad needs for, a break. And, and my four year old is see is like kind of get, he's, he likes being flipped over mostly and yeah. just like moving around, but he's so he's getting vicious too. It was funny. I was thinking about this kind of recently because they're, they were both like, I think yesterday hissing at me, hissing at me. <laughs> oh, They're wow. playing cats, and, but they were like all in. And I, and I just remembered back and I like thought about, um, we've, you know, we've covered this for a while cause it's a, such an interesting topic, but, um, what the experts, like they say that this is just a sign that they like the more vicious they are, it's the safer they feel, hmm. but they know that this is like an act of love and, and trust. It's like a trust exercise mm-hmm. that I always thought. And that, and, and then as we explored into it a little more, there's like, I think the much, much more interesting idea here. And we actually gave rules of, of roughhousing. And I think it's a really, really important, but, um, you're teaching your kid boundaries. You're teaching your kid self-control, which is great. And when else do they get flipped? Right. And know that like, where their body is in space. Like, I'm not saying you're going to make a gymnast out of your roughhousing child, but they know the limits and the line between fun and discomfort. And they know they're learning where that is with somebody that they trust and is there for them. And the biggest one for me, the one that I really changed the way I roughhouse is consent. Mm-hmm. Every, when you roughhouse with a child, you are teaching them, you're showing them what consent means because you're doing something that's dangerous and fun and you're a person they trust immensely. Mm-hmm. You know, even long before having read this book, when I roughhouse with my daughters, you know, I might throw them onto the bed or we're, we're wrestling or we're pillow fighting or whatever. If I get them into a position where like I'm, you know, we're, we're tickling or whatever, like I kind of pin them down at, at Long before I ever read this, as soon as I heard stop, that was it. Subconsciously, not even really like thinking about it, my brain was saying, if they understand that when they express that something is uncomfortable and it stops later in life, right? The hope is that if they say stop Mm -hmm. and something doesn't stop, they're going to know that it's a problem rather than questioning, is this a problem or am I doing something wrong? You know? And I think that that's, that's one of the really powerful things about that sort of setting limits. And then the the last one, which was, which was actually what the experts all told us and we had not thought about was learning to wind down is really, really, really important Um, because it's really easy. And we, anyone who's been in sports and like knows us, it's really easy to ramp up and then, and you definitely need to transition out of it. 
And, um, and that's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good lesson as well. I was just going to say to me, there's, there's, there's certainly some like misconceptions around the idea of rough housing that we kind of need to get past, you know, the fact that it's only for dads or that it's only for dads and their sons, um, that it, it absolutely can and should be something with, uh, with dads and their daughters and the idea that it's oh, purely a violent thing. You know, and so so getting a better understanding or maybe widening your understanding that roughhousing doesn't it doesn't mean you're, you know, you're, you know, you're you're throwing down in the backyard, but it could be something like a game of tag or chasing each other around the kitchen island or something like that. But I never could I never could understand it on a deeper level. And it's kind of what I love about this chapter in particular. It's such an interesting concept. And and like just anecdotally, my dad was a rugby player and absolutely the one thing i remember that was the most one of the most positive things about my childhood was our rough housing and i became a gymnast a runner a soccer i was very much an athlete and i don't totally have an athletic figure but i feel like i'm, I'm i am connecting that line i always i always have i was like i mean he you know he was an athlete too but we played and i had like the sense of i knew how to fall you know, like you kind of learn this tuck a shoulder type fall. And I feel like I learned that very young and um, it's important. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's your body. You get to learn how to use it. Climb a tree, kids. <laughs> to check out the book, to read some excerpts from the book, you can go to fatherhood.fatherly.com. And you can pick up a copy today at your favorite local bookstore or online at IndieBound or Amazon, wherever you purchase your books online. Also, uh, please stick around to the end of the episode to hear about how you could get your hands on a free copy of Fatherhood. Ty Trimble, we want to thank you so much for making time to chat with us. This was an awesome conversation, and we are so thrilled for you and your team at Fatherly for putting out such a fantastic book. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. You know what we haven't done with one another in some time? Uh, The old... uh... No, not that. We have not confessed anything to one another in some time. You got some stuff to get off your chest there, Mark? Yeah. You mind if I go in first? Confess. I have no problem whatsoever with opening a brand new bag of Pepperidge Farm goldfish and eating the entire thing without ever even offering a single solitary fish to anyone else in the family. Once or twice a week, I use the kids' toothpaste because bubblegum tastes better than Sensodyne. Confessions. 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 On hard days, when I've had a rough day at work, when I'm tired and my back is sore and things just aren't going right, I think to myself, what is the point of all of this? And then I look at my children's beautiful, perfect faces, and I think, what is the point in all of this?
passions. <laughs> oh man, I really got you. I have sung Jules, You Were Meant For Me to my daughter at bedtime more times than I have ever sung any other song in my life. Confession. Confession. And I was meant for you. I spend an absurd amount of time contemplating what cartoon dad I'm most like. I think it's Stew Pickles. Confessions. Who stole the cookies from the cookie jar? I did. I stole them. Confessions. I mean, I feel better. Man, you had a dark one in there. <laughs> That's what this is for, right? Confessing the yeah. really dark stuff. Yeah. yeah, I guess it is. I can't hold that stuff um, in. Hey, listener, are you or someone you know just about to become a dad? Or maybe you're a dude who just needs a little extra help on their journey. Well... The kind folks over at Fatherly gave us an extra copy of their new book, Fatherhood, a comprehensive guide to birth, budgeting, finding flow, and becoming a happy parent. And we want to give it to you. So just write in to hey at moderndadhood.com with your name and address, and we'll pick someone at random to send the book to. And bonus points if you promise to share a picture of the book on Facebook or Instagram, tagging Modern Dadhood once you get it. Thanks. Oh, and good luck. You can find us at moderndadhood.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and wherever you listen. Uh, And if you're looking for that subscribe button somewhere, go ahead and click it. And then if you want, leave us a rating and and a review. You know what else we would love? Next time you're talking to a friend, tell them about the show. You can follow Modern Dadhood on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. We would love it if coming into the holiday season, if you bought a Modern Dadhood t-shirt or dad hoodie for someone you care about, you can buy those at moderndadhood.com. Buy a dad hoodie for yourself. You can care about yourself. Holiday season 2021. Mm -hmm. The theme is you do you. Take care of yourself this holiday season. And if for you, that means buying a dad hoodie to feel comfortable and look good in, then do it. And we would also invite you to email us anytime at hey, H-E-Y at moderndadhood.com. Thank you to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee for the music on Modern Dadhood, to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for mixing our show, and thank you to Ty Trimble for joining us on Modern Dadhood today. Last, least, No, last and certainly not least, thank you for listening. 